How can I say thanks for the things he has done for me? Things so undeserved, yet he gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things He has done. What did He do? With His blood, He has saved me. With His power, He has raised me. To God be the glory for the things He has done. As Paul said in prison, I can only imagine that he said, and as he reflected on all God had spoke to him in chapters 1, how God chose us and, and, and he redeemed us and called us into this adoption. In chapter 2, he says, you were dead, you were dead, but through the power of Jesus Christ, you have now been made alive. And in chapter 3, he prays and he says, all oh, that you would know, even in the midst of my suffering, don't be discouraged about my suffering because I suffer for this gospel because this gospel, friends, is worth suffering for. And he says, I pray that you would grasp how high, how long, how wide, how wide, how deep the love of God is. And then he paused, as we pause today, and he says, now unto him. I love the, I love the King James Version, how it says this. It says, now unto him who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that's at work in us. He says, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ from generation in generation forever and ever. Amen. Lake Avenue, it is Thanksgiving Sunday and we should thank God because it's to God to be the glory for all the things that he has done for us this morning. Can we just take a little time and thank him for who he is and for what he's done. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Now Lake Avenue, that would be all right if you was thanking him, if you was thanking me. But I, I think we can do a little bit better than that. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Come on, let's put those hands together. Open up your mouth. Oh, come on. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things He has done. With His blood, He saved you. With His power, He raised you. With His hands, He made you. With His mouth, He fed you. To God be the glory for the things He has done. He died on the cross for our sins. We were dead. But in Him, we have been made alive. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things He's done. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. God. Lord, I feel a little charismatic today, y'all. Lord, have mercy. To God be the glory. Paul takes time, and it is with that level of energy that he writes this doxology. He says, now unto him, listen to these words. He says, now unto him who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above. He says, now, now unto him, watch this progression, who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, here it is, according to the power that's at work in you. Did you catch that? He says, I'll do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, but it's according to the power that's at work in you. He says, I'll do it. I'll go way beyond your expectation, but I'm going to do it according to the amount of power that you allow to be at work in you. I'll do it according to how much of me you allow to work on the inside of you. According to to, to your willingness to allow my spirit to work in you, I'll go way beyond your expectation. Y'all don't get it. Let me help explain. In 2001, I remember that was the year I bought my first car. And uh, that was the year I bought my first car in 2001. And I bought a 1996 Lexus. So don't be too excited about the Lexus. Listen to the year. It was an old Lexus. Um, But y'all, it was something about that Lexus. The peanut butter leather interior. The wood grain finish on the steering wheel. It would just just grip you. You didn't even need leather gloves. The the wood grain would just grab you. The the shiny rims, uh, colloquialism for wheels on the car. Um, And I I used to have a a, a four-cylinder. Those of you that have a four-cylinder, when when you're driving a four-cylinder, you punch the gas... And then you go. You see, you see that little delay? That's not a force. You hit it, and then you go, you know? Y'all, this Lexus, it had a V6. And with a V6, you just kind of lean that way, and you already moving. It just, it just it goes way beyond your expectation. And I'll never forget sitting at a moonroof. i never, never, never forget sitting in, in, my, in my Lexus and the peanut butter leather interior with the wood grain and with the shiny rims and with the V6 engine. And I remember turning the key and it going click, click, click. I said, wait a minute, this is a Lexus. They ain't supposed to do that. I said, click, click, click. The problem was the, the car was exceedingly and abundantly above, better than anything that I could ever ask for or think of. But it had no power. And as long as this beautiful, fine automobile had no power, it was of no benefit to me. See, if, if the battery's dead, you're not going anywhere. And what Paul is saying, yes, God will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that's at work in you. The question is, are we willing to allow the power of God to work in us? See, because in order for us to get the things that we're asking God for, it's going to take God 
working in us. It's not a matter of him and his ability to do what we, what we desire. He says, oh, I can far exceed anything that you could ask of or think of. The question is, are you, are you willing to allow my spirit to work in you so that you may attain the things that your heart desires? So church, what are we asking for? Dr. Waybright has been preaching, preaching out of his soul about this unexpected family that Paul is calling us to. And Paul, throughout the first three chapters of Ephesians, he's, he's asking the question, he's calling them, and he's calling the church at Ephesus. He's saying, be who you are. Become this unexpected family that God has made you. He says, be who you are. And Dr. Waybot has been preaching and calling us to this same idea. And our prayer and our call Lake Avenue is that we would be who we are. And God is saying that you and I, he's saying, I can, I can, I can far exceed your expectation. I can, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according, according to you becoming this unexpected family. The question is, are you willing to allow my spirit to work in you so that you can become who you are? We pray for, for, for diversity at our church. And we pray that this unexpected family, people who normally wouldn't be together, people who normally wouldn't come together, that we would come together and that we would be one church and that we would come together in the unity of Christ and that this wall of hostility would be broken down and we would be one. And the question is, are we willing to allow the Spirit of God to work in us so that we might become one? See, I stand here guilty because I pray and ask for many things, but the Lord has ha- he, he, he's had to do a work in me to get me to this place. See, we, we sit here with all these different ethnicities and the prayers that we would come together and worship together. Well, I, can never, I will never forget being in sixth grade there in Pearl, Mississippi, standing outside of Miss Taylor's class when Joe Blackman came to me and he, uh, th- th- this white football player, he, he looked me in my face and called me the N-word. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget what that did to me on the inside. And y'all, when he said that, my, my fists began to ball up. And I looked at Joe, and I was, about to, I was about to go to town on Joe. I'm telling you, I was about to handle my business. Uh, handle my business, that means fight. Uh, in the hood, that's how we say that, uh, fight. I'm about to handle my business. Are you about to make a, a transaction with the company? No, 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 I was about to fight, Jack. I was about to fight. And just before I lifted my right arm to swing, this soft small voice spoke within my heart and it said, Albert, Joe is about two feet taller than you. (laughs) And and, and Joe play football and you sing uh, in the glee club. Uh, So so you might want to think twice. So I, I just slightly put my hand back down and I looked at Joe with a fierce look and I just walked in study hall. But the fight went over. Because from that moment on, something began to stir in me. See, because from then on, I had a problem with liking Joe and anybody that looked like Joe. Did y'all hear what I said? And as I grew up, time and time again, I met more people that looked like Joe who treated me like Joe treated me. So it developed this concept and this idea. And as we go through the history and as I grew older, I began to have a serious problem with white Christians. Because that was a theme that I saw, and that was a divide that I saw that I continued to struggle with. 
So here, as God would say, uh, you're supposed to be experiencing this unexpected family. Well, God, that's a problem because I need you to work in me because I'm struggling with this. Now, I know we're not supposed to talk this honestly in church, but actually we are. I would tell many people in many cases, I, I am a recovering racist. Now, don't get nervous. I'm okay now. But that's why I thank God for bringing me to a place like Lake Avenue Church. And that's why God uh, uh, called LaRosa and I here because I wanted to experience life and I wanted to experience the fullness of the breath of God. And look at me now. All y'all, all my friends are white. Look at this. It's just a this place. I'd be looking for black people. I'd be like, where the black people at? Where the hell at? You know? That's why we'd be so excited. We'd say, big old black person. Hey, how you doing? It's good. And, 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 of course, we got the whole family, the Asians, the uh, Latin. We, we all come together, and it's a beautiful thing. Because God had to do a work in me. See, we talk about these words like come together in unexpected family, and we gloss over them. But it's hard work, friends. And I'm not talking about just coming and I can just, I can stand beside somebody who's black and I'm okay. And that's, that's all right. No, 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 no. I'm talking about life that goes way deeper than that. Life that goes way beyond that. I'm talking about when we get into each other's lives and when we not only worship together, but we live together. We, co- we commune together. We converse together. We fellowship together. We even eat together. Although y'all, y'all eat a little differently than I do. Y'all, y'all, y'all love some pumpkin pie, I'm telling you. But we, we eat sweet potato pie where I'm from. Any, any sweet potato pie eaters? All right. White people eat sweet potato pie too? That's, I would have never known it. I would have never known it. <laughs> Never know. It's, but it's, 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 it's our ability to come together and be one. At our church, we, have, see, we can't just talk about this unexpected family and not deal with the work that God has to do in you in order to get us to become this family. We're a church that's full of conservatives and full of liberals. I know because I get emails all the time from both, both groups. We, we, we have people who, with the elections, thought it was the end of days and others thought Messiah had come, you know? And you just, you kind of almost didn't know. So, you know, as pastors, Chuck, we, we neutral. We, we, we don't have a political persuasion. At least we don't talk about it in the pulpit. Although people think they know where I am, but I, they really don't. All right. Um, I, don't, I don't talk about that. I don't talk about it. But at, at church, it makes it awkward, though, because you go to people, and it's like you don't know what to do. So you say, well, what about the election? And then they say, oh, and then you have, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then you have other people, well, what about this? Oh, man. And you're like, yeah, oh, man. You know, yeah, praise the Lord. So on the plaza, I'm just, hey, I don't know. Are you okay? All right. You know, so, but, but, but we've got to recognize that, that we're all here in one body in that we're, we're not divided by our political persuasions. We're not avi- divided by conservative or liberal, Republican or Democrat. We don't have an allegiance to any party. Our allegiance is to the kingdom of God. Oh, amen. And here's somebody. We, we both dwell together, and, and, and in order for us to be able to do that, in order for us to be able to come together and talk and love each other past our disagreements, the power of God has to do a work in us. Somebody say, work in me, God. Oh, come on, talk back to me, Lake Avenue. Say, work in me, God. Because we can't become an unexpected family unless God works in you. It's easy for you to say, oh, I wish God would work in them Republicans. Man, what are they thinking? Or, oh, I wish God would work in, the, work in them Dems, boy, and them Democrats. Lord, they need some work. No, we all need work, and the work needs to begin in you. 
See, see, we, we've got all kind of diversity, this unexpected family. We have people that aren't just conservative and liberal politically, but, but, but spiritually. I mean, and they come from different models. I come from a church where, you know, it wasn't nothing for us to just take off running and just run around the church. The spirit that gets so high, we just run around the church. And, I'm, and I'll be right with them. I'll just be running. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If I did that today, y'all be like, well, what's wrong? Is, he, is somebody sick? Is, did he go somewhere? What happened? You know? And of course, I don't run around here at Lake Avenue because it's too big. I pass out trying to run around here. <laughs> My little church, I can run. It's three feet. I just go back and forth. That's plenty of run. Around here, I have an asthma attack halfway. Like, is he slain in the spirit? I don't know. No, he, he can't breathe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but we have all of that. And, and I know that you're in this room. I know we've got people, we've got people that love to sit and worship God in the beauty of his silence. And the soft stillness of who he is. And then we have people that love to shout amen and shout hallelujah. I know you, I know he can't tell on Sunday morning that y'all in here, but I know y'all in because you come to me and talk to me on the plaza. Like, I just wanted to shout. That's, well, why didn't you? Got me up there by myself shouting. Help me out, you know? But we're all in here together. And I'm saying those aren't things that divide us. Those are the things that bring us together. Because we are one body. But in order for that not to divide us, the Holy Spirit and the power of God has to do a work where? In us. has to work in me. I love the orchestra just as much as I love the organ, just as much as I love Jeremy rocking it out with the guitar. And in order for us to be able to appreciate all of those things and not allow those things to divide us, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. I love Asians. I love Latins. I love blacks. I love big. I love small. I love cute. I love John. It ought to, it, I mean, I love... But in order for us to get there and really appreciate it, God had to do a work. In order for me to become here at Lake Avenue and worship with all these white people, because uh, I'm a long way from Joe Blackman now. I'm a long way from Joe. But God had to do a work in Albert Tate. So Paul is saying, oh, God, God, God is saying to us, I can go way beyond your expectation according to the power that you allow to work in you. question is, in order for us to become this unexpected family, are you willing to allow the power of God to work in you? Paul goes on to say, to him be glory in the church. I love this. I love this. Uh, Dr. Waybright uses this beautiful illustration where he talks about uh, 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 these idea, this idea of where to find the glory. Look at this. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, if you want to see Kobe Bryant, all-time basketball player, uh, just phenomenal basketball player, scored 80-some points in the one game, although I think that's a little unchristian. He should have passed on a couple of them, I'm sure. But, uh, but that's not, neither here nor there. But if you want to see the glory of Kobe Bryant, look at the basketball court because that's where you see his glory. Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps, who, 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 who's just swept the Olympics. Wow, look at those ears. Uh, Mike looked like he can hear me talking right now. Mike, <laughs> you're going too fast on the slides. Let me tell my jokes, Zach. Um, all right. If you want to see the glory of Michael Phelps, you've got to look at the pool. Because when you look in the swimming pool, you see the greatness of who Michael Phelps is. Whitney Houston, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, 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 singer, musician, multiple Grammys, multiple American Music Awards, millions of albums sold. But if you want to see the glory of my girl, Whitney Houston, you've got to give her a microphone, put it in her hand, and put it in the auditorium and let her sing because that's what her glory is. The glory of God, church, the glory of God. If you want to see the glory of God, then Paul says it's right here in the church. It's right here in the church. 
If you want to see the glory of God, it's right here. It's in this room. Paul says, to him be glory in the church. This idea of glory is reflecting the greatness of God. He says we should be able to look in the church. We should be able to go to God's chosen people and see the glory of God. If there's someone who's out desperately looking for God, trying to find him, they should be able to find his glory and find him right among this unexpected family right here in the church. This word church, let's, let's, not, let's not get it uh, mixed up with, the, with this idea of these walls and these pews and uh, uh, this piano. And, and this, uh, it's not about this building, but here as, as, as Paul is writing the book of Ephesus, it's so phenomenal, phenomenal what Dr. Song Cho did because that's what would happen. Uh, uh, they would get the letter and a group of them would come together and someone would just stand and read the letter. Stand and read Paul's letter and they would sit with bated breath just like we did today and hear the word of Paul as he speaks on behalf of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they will call that gathering an ecclesia, an ecclesia translated the assembly, the gathering of a specific people for a specific purpose. They didn't have buildings, they didn't have pews, they didn't have worship centers like we did today. They would just come together and they would be this called out group, this ecclesia, this assembly of people who came together for a specific purpose because they were specific people. And and that specific purpose, listen to this, was always irrestricably tied to to the welfare of the city or the society they lived in. I'll say that again. That that specific people, that ecclesia, was always irrestricably tied to the welfare of the city or the society that they lived in. It was no such thing for them to be this big church on a corner but not have any presence in the local community. Everything that they did, everything that God spoke to them, they applied it right where they lived. Right there in the community that God had called them to. God is saying that we are his ecclesia, his assembly of a specific people, those who name the name of Jesus Christ and those who seek his name. We come together with that specific, as a specific people, and we have a specific purpose, and that purpose is to reflect the glory of God right here in northwest Pasadena and beyond to the uttermost parts of the world. This ecclesia. What does it look like? He says, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ. If you want to know how we should follow this out, we should follow the example of Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, we can see the glory of God. How, how he lived and how he gave himself for the, for, the, for the lives and for the sake of other people. How he took time with people. As we wrestled through this and talked through this, I pulled John and Kirk Gibson aside and I said, do we have any examples of, of people living this out right here among us here at Lake Avenue? And they sent me a couple of stories. Listen to this. We have here Wendell and Liz and uh, Charles there on the left and Carlos there on the right. They've been, uh, Wendell and Liz have been uh, volunteering there at STARS for quite a few years now. And Carlos there on the right is in the eighth grade, y'all. And Wendell took Carlos and signed him up for a soccer league. And they went out and on any given Saturday, you can find Wendell there on the sideline shouting and cheering on Carlos as he's out there playing soccer. You want to talk about an unexpected family? Wendell is 72 years old and hanging out with an eighth grader. I'm 31. I don't like hanging out with eighth graders. (laughs) Wendell is 72 years old. Liz, I wasn't crazy enough to ask her how old she was. But here they are coming together, God's unlikely family. You know what we see right there? We see what Paul calls to know the hope that we've been called to, the richness of the inheritance of the saints. 
We see right here the beauty of the saints and when we come together. Friends, that's the church. And Wendell and Liz are literally reflecting the glory of God right there in the lives of Charles and Carlos. This next story, uh, Brother Kerry. Many of you have probably seen him. He ushers back here uh, on, on many of these doors. And he's hanging out with two guys there, Patrick and Ja'Cory. Patrick and Ja'Cory are two foster uh two foster kids, and um, you can find them any given Sunday running around here at the church. Some phenomenal guys. I know them personally. Great, great guys. Kerry uh, worked on the police force, and he work, was working with gangs, and he said, you know what, I'm tired of dealing with these knuckleheads that don't get it. I want to catch some guys early before they get down that path, and I want to prevent some guys from going in gangs. So he found Ja'Cory and, and Patrick, and he just started hanging out with them and started loving on them. You know what we see right here in this picture? We see the glory of God in the church, and we see, because Carrie is literally showing them how deep, how wide, how high, how long is the love of Jesus Christ, and he's, he's, he's drenching those boys in the love of Jesus Christ. Friends, that's the glory of God in the church. Paul says, to him be the glory, to him be the glory of God in the church and in Jesus Christ. Here it is, finally, from generation to generation. He, he says, this glory of God, it lasts long. It goes from generation to generation. It doesn't tarnish, it doesn't fade, it lasts long, and it's strong. John Piper, when describing this glory of God, he says the church should be a mirror. The church should be the, the, a mirror of the reflection of God. Guys, can y'all, can y'all, I, I got a mirror this morning to help illustrate that. As they bring this mirror up here, he, John Piper says the church should be the reflection of the glory of God. As they bring that, since I know y'all gonna watch them while I talk, I'm gonna walk over here and walk with them. All right, y'all ready? Okay. The, glory, the church should be the reflection of God's glory. Me and my wife, we love reality TV. Anybody else watch any reality TV? Okay, just me and my wife. All right, that's okay. You know, I got to be ashamed. I ain't ashamed. This is my truth-telling Sunday. I'm just going to tell the truth all day. Wait a minute. I tell the truth every Sunday. Um, but anyway, we worked that out. Listen, we, we love reality television show. And the thing, thing about reality TV, these aren't actresses. These are, these are people who just... Who, who, who just everyday people like us, and they live their life in front of a camera, and the cameras follow them. But what's always interesting is after the show has aired... And they go and interview these people that have lived their lives in front of millions of people. The first thing they say is, well, after, after watching the whole series and after they're forced to see themselves, they usually have a problem with the image that's been portrayed. Sometimes they blame editing or they, they edit, edited me to sound like that. But, but they're your words. But they, they edited me to sound like that. Today, Lake Avenue... We are forced to look at ourselves. I want us to just to pause just for a few moments and look at ourselves. And ask the question, are we reflecting the greatness of God in our church? Has his glory faded? Has his glory tarnished? Are we reflecting the expressed greatness of God? Let me come closer to your neighborhood. Husbands, are you reflecting the glory of God to your wives? 
wives? Are you, re- are you reflecting the glory of God? Can your children see it? Can your husband see it? Families, can, can, the, can the neighbor next door see the glory of God? Because it's not enough for us to shine when we come into this building filled with mortar and brick. But when we go to our homes, when we live in our neighborhoods, when we go to our, our, in, our, in our communities, do we reflect the glory of God? Lake Avenue, God has placed us right here in this community in northwest Pasadena. Can northwest Pasadena see the greatness and the glory of God through us as we drive in from Arcadia and La Cunada, as we go back, La Rosa and I, to the 110, as we live in South, South Pasadena? Uh, can they see the glory of God or do they just see a lot of cars coming in and out? As, as I close, I, I, I just want to tell you this little quick story. I remember being in Bible college, and we had this evangelism uh, exercise where we were supposed to evaluate churches' evangelism programs and bring back a report. And I'll never forget, sitting there as the only African-American student in the classroom, as Caleb brought his report back, he talked about uh, how they do outreach in their neighborhood. And he said, we would go around, he went to an all-white church, and he said, we would go around and we would go door-to-door. But whenever we came to an African-American's house, we would give them the business card of the local African-American. African-American pastor. We would say you would probably find, they say that you would probably find this church more comfortable. See, friends, not only does that frustrate me because it, it, it was discrimination, but it frustrates me because it's not biblical. Friends, we don't get a chance to pick and choose who comes to the church. We don't get a chance to pick and choose who's a part of this unexpected family. God has called us to love all people. And we have to reach out and we have to reflect to the glory of God to all people. That's our call. And today, are we reflecting His glory? Let's take time to see ourselves. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are all about God. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are all about our response to God. This morning, let's take time, pause, and reflect over all that God has done. Now the question becomes to you and I, are we reflecting His glory? Can they see it in us? Can they see it in our church? Can they see it in our family? On the job, can they see His glory? Friends, I, I, I beg you, don't allow another worship experience to pass you by without you pausing to look at your own life and in your own soul and asking yourself the hard question, is my life reflecting His glory? I'll end how I began. When my car didn't have that, 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 that power, wasn't the end of the story. I just didn't give up on the Lexus. But I called a friend, John, and I asked him if they have any booster cables. Because if you get a friend with some booster cables, you can hook up their battery to your battery, and they can bring life to your dead battery. Friends, you may be sitting here today and you say, Albert, I'm struggling. There's some areas where I'm not reflecting the glory of God. That power isn't at work in me. And I want you to leave this place with hope so you can know that God can take your dead battery and hook it up to the power of his son, Jesus Christ. And with with the booster cables called the Holy Spirit, he can bring life back to your dead soul today. So if you're disconnected and if you want life, his spirit is here to bring life. So that you may live to reflect God's greatness in this earth for his glory. Amen.
Amen. Let's pray together. God, as we call ourselves to this place of reflection, I pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight and that we won't even, even this morning, that we won't be so anxious to leave this place that we don't stop and pause to see ourselves. God, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves corporately as a body, corporately as a church. Even today, we're going to pause, God, and we're going to take time to raise, uh, raise an offering for our foundation to do the community work that, that we partner with and that we are called to do together. But, so as a corporate body, as we respond to that, God, individually, help us to not graze over what you may be speaking to our hearts today. God, around the Thanksgiving table... Some of our families will experience tension around the table. Some families aren't excited about this time because they have broken relationships. God, I pray that you would help us to reflect the glory of God even in the midst of broken relationships. Help us to be a church that reflects your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.